It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from Eastern Iowa, where apartment ownership and investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hey everybody, Darren Garman here, and welcome to this week's podcast, where we're going to talk about negative equity. Negative equity. And we're really not going to start the discussion in a way you're probably expecting, uh, but we will talk about negative equity. And before we get into our conversation that's going to center around negative equity, I want to remind you of the upcoming, I can't believe how fast the time is going. We're almost, as I'm recording this, Thanksgiving is just a couple weeks away. Uh, then you got uh, Christmas and New Year's, and before you know it, it will be time for the Heartland Multifamily Investment Summit. That's correct, the Heartland Multifamily Investment Summit, which is for 15 investors uh, to attend. So I capped the attendance of the summit off at 15. That's it. And this is a summit where if you are uh, serious about making multifamily ownership, whether being an active owner or passive owner, uh, this will be a place you'll want to be. Uh, we will be having a summit in January and another one in March of 2020. Uh, again, this is for serious passive or active uh, apartment owners or investors. And so if you already own multifamily and you want to continue growing your empire, so to speak, but do it more strategically, maybe faster, get some speed going uh, and, and really working on the profitability of that all at the same time, this is definitely for you. Or if you're one of those investors that has been sitting on the fence for maybe a period of time and wondering if this is something you should do, being involved in, as an active or passive uh, investor, this is for you as well. And this is an investment summit. This is not a, uh, a boot camp or a conference where people come and try to sell you stuff and give you at least a little bit of information and then want you to buy their products. There will be nothing sold during the Heartland Investment Multifamily Summit. Uh, so nothing sold at all. Uh, so more information on this because our attendance is not is not is not a surprise. The closer we are getting to 2020, the less seats are available. And again, I'm only having 15 in January and 15 in March. That's it. So for more information to check this out to be part of the multifamily investment summit or at least see what's going on, you want to go to www.heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. That's heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. All right, let's talk about negative equity. And where I'm going to start, as I mentioned before uh, at the beginning of the podcast here in the intro, I mentioned to you that I'm going to probably go to a place you're not expecting. So most of the times when you talk about equity or even positive or neutral or negative equity, a lot of people, the first thing they think about is real estate, equity in real estate, right? Um, but really, you have equity in lots of things. 
um, lots of things. So most everything you own, if you wanted to, I mean, really be general, which we're going to be at least for now, you have pretty much equity in everything. So basically almost everything you have is worth something that if sold, you could get money for it. Okay. Um, and so equity is really the value of what you have in something uh, that belongs to you. So uh, if my own home is worth $300,000 and I don't have a loan on it, it's free and clear, I've got $300,000 of equity. If my home is worth $300,000 but I have a $150,000 mortgage on the property, which is a lien against the property, then I've got $150,000 of equity. If I have a, uh, um, a set of weights in my garage, which I do, a set of Olympic weights and uh, weight equipment, you know, it's probably worth about $600. Uh, there's no liens against it. I probably have $600 of equity in that equipment. So you get my point. Uh, and there's really three types of equity. And it, these are pretty self-explanatory again. There's positive equity where you actually do have equity. Okay, so if you were to sell your house, your car, your weight set, um, your baseball card set, uh, and get cash for it, and put that cash in your pocket, you've got equity. Neutral equity is if you were to sell that, you get nothing. Okay, you get nothing. So you sell it, you pay off whatever uh, lien or loan may be against whatever asset that is, and you walk away from the closing table with nothing. And then there's negative equity, which means you actually have to bring your own money to close or to sell, whichever it may be. And so uh, a lot of folks know about negative equity because in um, you know 2007 through 2012, a lot of folks owned houses that were worth less than what was owed on them. Uh, I remember having some partners that had some homes in the southern, southwestern part of the United States. And, you know, they, uh, their houses were worth $150,000, but they had $250,000 of loans on them. So that's negative equity. And so if you have to bring money to the closing table to <clears throat> sell or divest yourself, you've got negative equity. So what I've covered so far is pretty self-explanatory, and I haven't really revealed any big secrets or any big information here. And where I'm going with this is, has a lot to do with our continuing renters society. Our continuing renters society. And so about a month ago, uh, I did have a podcast where I talked a little bit about car loans. And how one of the reasons, one of the reasons that factors into many people continuing to rent, many more people that will rent apartments has to do with car loans. Because at the end of the day, most families or most people um, have at least one, and in most cases, two car loans. Some cases more than that. So by family, I mean, you know, people either living together, they're married or they're not, um, maybe roommates, uh, whatever. Most people have at least one car loan, uh, and if it's uh, 
any kind of like a marriage, most people that are married have at least two car loans. And holy cow, if you factor kids in there, and if you happen to be one of those people that helps your kid out with a vehicle, uh, then you may have three car loans or more. Um, and so what, what I'm discussing is nothing new. And I talked quite a bit about that about a month ago. And really the point being that when you've got two or three or four car loans, uh, you're going to be paying more money in car loans than you are in upkeep and ownership of your own home or condominium. And, and the affordability of that uh, happens to go down quite a bit, not surprisingly. And again, you kind of mix those things together and you will have more and more renters versus owners. Uh, so when it comes to negative equity, though, this is a phenomenon that will actually increase. And I predict exponentially the amount of people, the amount of uh potential renters that we will see over the next five to 10 years. So what I'm going to describe to you is, again, probably something you're familiar with, but it is now becoming, I don't want to say something that's in epidemic proportions. That's maybe being a little, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit there, but this is something that is happening more and more, and it's happening so much that now people are taking notice and uh, it's become an issue. <clears throat> and what I'm talking about is negative equity when it comes to financing automobiles. Okay, so um, many mornings when I'm getting ready, you know, to head to the office, I'm getting out of the shower, I'm in the bathroom, you know, doing my thing. I've got the radio on, you know, radio's on over the, uh, you know, over the speakers in the bathroom. <clears throat> and not surprisingly, you hear, advertisements from car dealers you know you and really you probably hear car dealer advertisements on whenever but i usually hear one or two advertisements by car dealers in the morning when i'm getting ready doing my thing and at the end of their pitch on the radio whichever it may be whatever special they're having whatever monthly payment deal you know drag it pull it in i mean you, you guys know you guys have heard all of the car dealer commercials there's basically a statement that says something to the effect of negative equity can be financed or will be financed upon the purchase. What the hell does that mean? That kind of sounds weird. Well, what that means is if you have a Nissan Maxima that's worth $20,000 and you want to go to the dealership and buy a new Nissan Maxima, you can do that. But if that $20,000 Nissan Maxima has a loan on it of $25,000, you're $5,000 in the hole or you have $5,000 of negative equity. Okay, you follow me? You go into the dealership with your vehicle. It's in this case a Nissan Maxima. It's, you, it's worth $20,000, but you can but you have a loan on it of $25,000. Well, what car dealers will do is on that new purchase, let's say you decide to buy a brand new Maxima, credit-wise you qualify, it, that's all good. So the dealer's gonna sell you a new Maxima for $50,000. No money down. 
But what do you think they're going to add to that $50,000 loan when you buy that new car? That's right. They're going to add that $5,000 of negative equity you have on your old car loan. So when you walk out of there feeling really good and happy about this new purchase, you're already behind. You already owe more than what the vehicle is worth. In this case, $5,000. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think vehicle values go down faster than loan balances? Yes, they do. So the minute you drive off that lot, you can figure, I mean, you can pretty much guarantee you've lost $10,000. So now you're behind $10,000 of negative equity and you've only owned the automobile for a day. Okay? Because pretty much you know, when you drive the car off the lot, the first minute it's off the lot, it starts depreciating quickly. Now we can get into a conversation. Well, Hondas are better than Subarus and Acuras are better than Fords are better. You know, we could Toyotas, all that. We could do that, but that but that's not where we're gonna go. No matter what kind it is, unless it's a collector's car, it's going to go down in value minute by minute by minute. Well, here's what many Americans are doing. They're doing what I just described to you, but then they do it multiple times within a year to two year period. So back to our example. Our friend, we'll call him Frank, trades in his $20,000 Nissan Maxima that he owes $25,000 on for a brand new $50,000 Maxima that he's going to be able to get with no money down. Okay? So... They're, he's going to owe $50,000 on his new purchase. Plus, remember, he's $5,000 negative on his trade-in. So now he owes $55,000 on a $50,000 vehicle. The minute he drives it off the lot, let's just, say, let's just say a year later, just to be on the safe side, he owes $54,000 on a $44,000 vehicle. I think it's safe to use those numbers. He's already behind $10,000. So what does Frank do? Well, a couple of years later, he sees a brand new Ford F-150 pickup. He drives into the dealership. I'd like to buy the Ford F-150. Well, huh, let's do a trade-in. How much is your maximum worth? Well, the maximum is now worth $35,000. How much do you owe on the maximum? $47,000. So now in this example, Frank has negative equity of $12,000. He's going to purchase this Ford F-150 for $80,000. And by the way, he's got money this time. He's going to put $8,000 down. So now that $80,000 purchase, he's going to finance $72,000. But guess what? He still owes $10,000 more on his trade-in. So where do you think that $10,000 goes? On the new loan. So then he buys an $80,000 vehicle. And even though he puts $8,000 down, he drives off the parking lot with a brand new Ford already behind $2,000 in negative equity. And that will continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger month after month, year after year, because the value of the vehicles go down a hell of a lot faster than the loan balances do. Here's why. People are financing now for seven years. Used to be the norm. I remember 
when I was, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old man. Yeah, I remember, um, so I remember the first used car I purchased. I put a 10% down payment down and I couldn't get it financed for any longer than three years. That was it. So this would have been in the early, this would have been late 80s, early 90s. The most financing, I mean, I had to like, it was like tough just to get three-year financing. I got three-year financing. Okay. You fast forward to today and five to seven-year loans are pretty much the norm. And I believe if I, if I remember right, a statistic I read is over 60% of car loans now are five to seven-year loans. Well, when you have those loans with that long of a term, you're not paying much principal down when you make those car payments. And so the principal balance of those loans goes down a hell of a lot slower than the value of the vehicles. Now, what I've just described to you, because of the readiness and the ability for people to get long-term car loans, and that's why wouldn't you? Keep your payments down. That's the main reason you do it, right? We want our payments as low as possible, which is why you get those five to seven year loans. In some cases, you can probably get 10 year loans depending on the vehicle. But you want to keep those payments down, don't you? Understandable. Keep that monthly cash flow intact as much as you can. But every single month, you're losing money on value and you're creating negative equity. Right? Well, here's where it gets real interesting. What I just described to you in, in, in all of this example so far, is one person with one vehicle. Now, let's bring in uh, two vehicles. So let's bring in maybe a couple with one or two kids. You think they're going to need at least two vehicles? Now do this with two vehicles, and how far behind are you? How much negative equity do you have? A lot. And then if that child gets older and gets to driving age, they need a vehicle maybe to go to school, go to work. Maybe they don't have enough money saved yet to get their own. Then what do you do? Okay, we'll get, so now you got three. And pretty soon, you see where I'm going with all of this. Okay. And so what you're going to be seeing is negative equity in vehicles will continue to reach, again, I don't want to say epidemic proportions. That's being, again, I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit there. But not much. Not much. Because cash flow is tight, folks. I want you to think about this. Uh, the average, and I'm going to be off by maybe a couple thousand dollars here. The average income in the United States is 60, like 61 or 62 thousand dollars. The median, excuse me, median income, $61,000 or $62,000 in the U.S. Okay, so let's just kind of play with the numbers. So let's use $65,000 because that's an easy number, right? Let's go sixty-five. dollars So if you have $65,000, that's $5,400 a month in gross income. But, you know, Uncle Sam... They got to take, you know, health care. Let's just go with Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam takes their share out, and you may as well kiss 30% of that goodbye or more. So now you're about $3,800 a month. $3,800 a month with two vehicles, 
one vehicle, probably two, and all of the other costs that you would have. And in addition to this, negative equity continues to grow and grow. You get deeper and deeper and deeper in the hole with the equity in your vehicles. Okay? Now, put yourself in the position of someone that has this issue right now. And again, a ton of people do. And a ton of people continue to be in this position. What are the chances? What are the odds that these people will also own their own home or condominium? What are the chances? Versus renting. What do you think? I mean, you pretty much need a vehicle, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You can make the argument, I can ride my bike, I can take the bus, I can Uber where I want to go. And yeah, there may be little some there may be something to that here and there. But most people need and want a car or SUV or whatever. So the odds of people being able to, or now even wanting to, have that added expense of property taxes, insurance, maintenance, principal and interest payments. So not only are you buying the home or condo, there's money to keep it maintained, to fix it up, to maybe do some kind of a, um, updating, and then you throw other things in there outside of it that like health care, you throw insurance in there, you throw um, now repairs to the vehicles, right? Uh, and on and on. So what are most people going to do? That's right, they are going to rent. And it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. More popular. More people will rent, want to rent, continue to rent. Financially, it's about the only way for them to go. Especially if they're the median American. And I would argue, and I made this point a week ago, even if you make $100,000 a year, you still aren't doing that great. You're not. So what will people do? They will rent. They will rent. Um, so how do, how do you benefit from this? How do you... Uh, what are moves you should be thinking of making, knowing this is the case and it's continuing to grow and grow and grow? Well, I think, number one, you obviously want to, and I don't want to sound like I'm a consumer advocate. I'm not. I mean, I'm not telling you what to do in your personal life with whatever you're doing. I mean, that's your business, not mine. Uh, but if, 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 if what I'm talking about resonated with you and you're kind of thinking, well, yeah, that's kind of me. Uh, I'm kind of do that. I'm, I'm negative equity in my vehicles and I might be negative equity with my riding lawnmower and my snowblower too. I mean, so if that's you, you know, it, it might be time to, you know, really do something about it rather than putting up with it, knowing that the hole gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper the more the time goes by. So that's like number one. Number two what can you do to put yourself in the position knowing 
the demand for apartment rentals from tenants will continue to increase. And I think exponentially over the coming three to five years. What will you do when this is going on? Well, you better get your money into a multifamily apartment community, whether active or passive, right? So if you want to be a landlord and run it and oversee it and manage it and do all those things and be in control and, I mean, great, perfect. Find some apartments yesterday and buy them, okay? Um, or if you want to be more passive, there's definite things you can do there as well and not have to worry about the management, tax returns, maintenance, reporting, bookkeeping, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I take care of that for all of my partners and, and that's the service that we provide and have been providing going on 30 years now. Uh, but I can tell you over the last 30 years, this is something like we've not seen. We've not seen this before. This is new. This is new. And I don't mean like new as of like yesterday, but this is new. Uh, this, we weren't having this conversation 10 years ago. We weren't. Hell, five years ago, we weren't. So knowing where things are going, knowing what's going on, just in this one segment that we're talking about, just one negative equity segment, what will you do? Well, I would tell you, if you got some IRA money, especially you IRA folks, um, especially if you're getting that 1% to 2% at uh, the, the credit union down the road, uh, you better be making some changes and some moving some money. And you can also do like a combination thing. So I've got folks that, investors that, they call it um, the CD strategy, investing in a real estate CD. Well, what does that mean? Well, what they'll do is, uh, let's say they've got $200,000 of capital. Well, they'll take $100,000 of that capital. They'll invest it in a really good apartment community. They'll keep the other $100,000 in the bank or credit union. So that's like, holy shit, if the real estate market does go to crap, for some reason, I'm, I'm okay. I still got some money put away here. Right? So it's almost like part of their investment is guaranteed by the government in a way. I'm just telling you that's how a couple of investors I work with look at it. So that way you're not, you know, you're, you're at least getting part of your investment into an area that's going to continue to grow and expand versus plotting, hoping, and counting the pennies. Okay. And so negative equity. Remember that term. You're going to hear it more and more over the coming months, probably over the next year, and it will be something that, like I said, this is something we weren't talking about years ago, heck, even five years ago, but you'll hear more and more about it today. But it is something that even though there's a lot of negativity to have a negative equity, especially in the automobiles that we've discussed on this podcast, but what you do as a result of seeing this happening and developing right before your eyes, that will be the interesting part of it, okay? So I hope that this information on this podcast this week has been uh, good, has been informational for you. And remember, our Heartland Investment Multifamily Investment Summit will be in January and March of next year. Uh, there is no cost to attend. 
but you need to be a serious investor looking to expand their multifamily holdings. Uh, and I'm only limiting the attendance to 15 at the event. For more information, go to heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. That's www.heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. And more information, including what we'll be covering, the details of what I'll be going into, what you'll be getting, what you'll be taking away from the summit will be there for you to review and see if you can get some value out of it. And I bet you anything you'll be able to. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week or weekend whenever you've decided to listen. And take care. And we'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Apartment Specialist Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.heartlandinvestmentrealestate.com.